as you can see, um, we have this, as I mentioned earlier, we have this installation this year, this art installation uh, at the back. Um, and I think it's a beautiful thing. I think it's a, a, a great idea. And thanks to the guys who put it together. And I think it just gives us that opportunity just to, to look and experience something a little bit different and a little bit deeper, a little, allow ourselves to imagine what Advent is all about. And we're going to light the second candle of Advent now, which is on this, today's theme, if you like, that's been added to the, to the installation is mystery. So Noah uh, Mitchell is going to read us a little bit of, um, about that and light the second candle. So Noah, do you want to, we'll go all down to the back here and um, do it in the right place. Do you want me to hold this for you? Or do you want to hold this up? The lack of mystery in our modern life is our downfall and our poverty. A human life is worth as much as the respect it holds for the mystery. We retain the child in each of us to the extent we honour the mystery. Us children have opened wide awake eyes because we know we are surrounded by mystery and so much of the world does not make sense to us. We know that we are not finished with our learning about ourselves and the world and so we happily welcome and live with mystery. This Advent, may we all embrace the mystery each day. May we all accept that we are surrounded by mystery and may we see the mystery in each other as we journey together towards the birth of the promised one, Jesus. That's great. Thank you, Noah and Seth, for uh, doing that for us. Let's give them a round of applause. Can I draw you back together again? Sorry to disturb your interesting conversations. And Dave's just going to come and speak to us now. So just going to pray for Dave as he comes uh, to bring a message this morning. Dave, Father, thank you for Dave. Thank you for his um, message that you've given him today. Holy Spirit, we ask you to anoint his words and I pray that you will uh, anoint our hearts to receive them and we will go out of here having learned how to follow you better and know you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Ian. Brilliant. Um, there was some discussion over here about now the fact that the children are out the back. Should we just scrap the sermon and just get tucked into the cake? <laughs> Maybe that's a little bit too, uh, maybe that's not in the spirit of uh, Christmas and Advent. Um, brilliant. Really lovely to see you all. Yeah, let me just re echo what Ian has, was sharing, particularly about intro. If you're new to the community, love you to join us. We're at Ian's house for lunch, so please do come and speak to me or Ian or, or Ian uh, or any of the leaders, because we'd love to, you to join in, even if you haven't signed up so far. Um, and then the total kind of on Toy Tales, Dan, I think is, what, 1,300? We're actually at 1,300 pounds for Toy Tales, which is fantastic. So there's still time to give and donate to that on the Just Giving page. But wonderful amount of money that's really going to bless a lot of uh, families this Christmas. So let's keep that going. So today's the 4th of December. Um, it feels like Christmas. It's festive. There's Christmas trees in the room even. Um, I'm sure you've maybe put yours up. It's a season of good cheer and all of that. Um, uh, I think it always feels like, I always say this every year, it feels like a contentious 
argument or debate about when does Christmas start? Is it the 1st of December? Is it when you put your Christmas tree up? Is it after Black Friday's over? When is that? In fact, let's, put, let's take a poll right now. Who, who thinks that Christmas shouldn't only starts at the 1st of December? Hands up. So it's a, it's a month thing when it's December. Who, who's like, it doesn't matter what month it is, as soon as Halloween's over, it's Christmas, okay? And is there anyone else who's like on the fence somewhere? Like a week before Christmas. <laughs> One of like about the, by the what, 17th of December. Yeah, I'm probably, yeah, that's when I start my shopping as well, Caroline, to be fair. Maybe um, our American friends have it right when they do Thanksgiving. And then it kind of maybe kicks into like a season of, for me growing up when I was, um, for Christmas, my sisters and I, the start of Christmas weirdly was when we were in the back of our car driving home from our granny and grandas who lived in North Belfast at the time. And when we began to see a certain amount of Christmas trees on the way home, we thought it's now Christmas. And so we used to count them and like it used to, you know, every week we'd go and it would build up and build up by the time you, you know, you can't, you run out of fingers to count them on. That was when uh, Christmas began. For me now, um, Christmas doesn't start until I visited the Christmas market and ate a big German sausage um, or a Danish pancake. Has anyone been going to the Christmas market? We all have these traditions um, and we all have these ways of marking time. But actually, as Christians, and I say this every year, but I want to say it again, we have a different way of marking time. As Christians, we have this thing called the Christian calendar. And it doesn't matter how liturgical or not you are, we celebrate Easter and we celebrate Christmas. So we at least do two of the things out of the calendar and there's a lot, lot more. Let me read to you a little bit of what Brian Zahn says about it. Within the great tradition, so that's kind of the, the whole tradition of the church of Jesus, we have a sacred calendar, a way of marking time throughout the course of the year by telling the story of Jesus. We have a sacred calendar to coordinate our lives within a secular age. We live in a secular age and we have a sacred calendar to form our lives through the gospel story. So he goes on to say that the demand of the Christmas season is a great hurry. But the aim of Advent is to instill a slowness into our soul the four weeks leading up to Christmas. There's lots of ways to mark time. Black Friday, Cyber Monday, January sales. The secular age marks its calendar in certain ways, but as Christians, we have the Christian calendar. And Advent is this season that we're in right now. Um, and it's just the four weeks that lead up. So Christmas in the Christian calendar doesn't start until the 25th of December. And there's 12 days of Christmas that start from the 25th of December until the 6th of January. So you shouldn't be taking your Christmas tree down until at least the 6th of January. <laughs> Um, but that is actually, so we're not in Christmas. We're actually in Advent right now. Christmas begins. It's a feast that begins on the 25th of December. This season we're in Advent is about preparation, waiting, anticipation, anticipating. Um, like Advent comes from the Latin word adventus, which means the coming or the arrival. So we're anticipating the coming or the, or, or the arrival. And as Christians, that means the coming or the arrival of our King of Jesus, the pre preparation time. So to help us kind of engage with the season a little bit more meaningfully, today I wanted just to offer two reflections really on Advent. The first is Advent is divine invitation. And the second, Advent is divine interruption. So divine invitation, divine interruption. There are these invitations to us. Let's begin with the first one, invitation. There are these invitations to us all in this season. 
whether that is to spend our money, the retail invitation, if you will, family and friends invitation, the frantic run around and help everyone invitation. There's the school programs invitation, the panto invitation, the Christmas party invitation, the family laws invitation, the old school friends reunion invitation. There's lots and lots of traditions, but I'd love us as a, as a community and as Christians as we follow the Christian calendar to look upon Advent as a divine invitation, a season that we set our focus on pre preparation, a season that beckons us to pay attention. And we have to do all those other things, of course. It's a busy season, but at some part of our life, in some corner of our hearts, we can pay attention, we can slow down and cultivate that, that sense of anticipation, that slowness to the season that we're in. And you might be asking the question, well, what is the invitation to? Is it more than just the tinsel and the, and the mince pies and all of that? The divine invitation is to pay attention to where we're at right now. Where do we find ourselves? Where are you at today? Where's your heart at the invitation of Advent is to peer inside and ask that question. The longings, the hopes, the, the dreams, the, the difficulties. What, where is your heart today? Where are you at? Where do you locate yourself? I want us to read from Luke chapter 1. It'll be on the screens behind me. The story of Christmas actually doesn't begin with Jesus' birth. And it doesn't begin with that monologue in John 1, you know, the word became flesh, the incarnation. We talked about that last week. The story of Christ's coming into the world begins in the darkness. It begins in the silence. It begins with a people who had hopes and who had longings and who had expectations and who were waiting. And so let's just read from Luke 1, verse 26. Hopefully it's on the screen. In the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee. I'm going to read it from the screen. The angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to his son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. There's a photograph that's going to come up on the screen just now. That's the Sea of Galilee. It's where I was on a boat three weeks ago. And you're going to get bored of me telling stories about my little short trip to Israel. But the next picture is the town just off this sea called Nazareth. And this is the Greek Orthodox Church of the Annunciation. This is the site where that visitation that we just read about in Luke chapter one apparently happened, or at least it's the place where locals have kind of 
put a milestone down and say, this is somewhere where we want to mark a sacred place. That's the, the church. It's a Greek Orthodox church. You can go in there and you can work your way down to a particular area of the church where they, they believe this would have happened. Um, the people of Israel, you can leave that up there if you want, uh, Noah. The people of Israel and Mary, as in Israeli, have been waiting. They had longings for their Messiah in this backwater town, just off the Sea of Galilee, in the margins of the Roman Empire, they were waiting for a king, king that would come after King David, the son of David, as we read about. They had no king no more. They were under occupation by, by Rome, by the rule of Caesar. They were not free. In a sense, they were hemmed in. They were enslaved. And their hopes were that someday a Messiah would come to fulfill the prophets and establish the kingdom that they longed for, the kingdom of God on the earth again, to be a great nation, to be powerful over all their nations. That was their dream, their hopes. The Messiah would be a rescuer to save them from this oppression, this Roman occupancy, and deliver them, a bit like God did when they, he delivered the people out of the Pharaoh and from Egypt and into the promised land that God would do that again. So to the question, where are you? The question I asked you a moment ago, that's where Mary was and the people of Israel were. The silence, the darkness, waiting on a king, waiting on God to show up. And that begs the question for us, to ask it for us today. Where are we? What are we waiting on and hoping for? I think it's really good for us. We'll miss it if we move through this season and Christmas, if we don't pay attention to what's really going on in our hearts and ask our questions. What are we longing for? What are we yearning for? What's the place that we find ourselves on this journey? Proverbs 4.23 says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. So the divine invitation for us is to ask that question. What are you hoping for? What are you aching for? What are you longing for? What are you wishing for? I want to move on then to Advent as a divine interruption because it goes on, the story goes on. There's an ancient saying that says there's nothing new under the sun. There's that movie Groundhog Day. It's an old movie with Bill Murray where he's a cynical TV weatherman. He finds himself reliving the same day over and over and over again, Groundhog Day. Life for all of us can feel like that. That might be where you feel like you're at today. It's like, it's another Christmas, you know? The humdrum of life, and we're just waiting for something different to happen. We get up with the same reality, the same difficulties, the same challenges every day. The same old, same old. And history seems to repeat itself. And it can feel like boredom, actually, at times the existential questions of what really matters really come into our mind at this season as well in Christmas, you know. And some of you may even be experiencing more than that, despair even, a sense of lostness, uh, the difficulty, the pain of life, the challenge of life, that might be where you're at today. In a world looking for answers, there doesn't seem to be many, if any. And in first century Palestine, as I've already said, the Jewish people were getting on with their lives. And for some of them, it was just like the same old, same old. The Romans are ruling. We get up every day and we get on with our day. And there didn't seem to be any change coming. 
it was Groundhog Day. They'd been waiting for so long and nothing had changed. The same yesterday as today as tomorrow. Except for those who remembered the story of the people of God. The ones who were waiting and hoping for an intervention. The ones like Mary were hoping for the Messiah to come to deliver them. There was an interruption. And we, in John chapter 1 we get the divine interruption. Before we get to that though, I want to just pull out a little passage at the end of John 1. And it'll come up on the screen, verse 19. And it's a little passage where the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem had sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. They were going to John the Baptist. Do you remember that, that character, John the Baptist in John 1? He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, who are you? Are you Elijah? I am not. Are you the prophet? No. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. Who do you say about yourself? And John the Baptist replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. I baptize with water, but among you stands one who you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, whose straps of sandals I am not worthy to untie. So we have Mary asking, where am I? Where are we in the silence and the darkness? We also have the Jewish leaders saying, give us an answer. Are you the guy? Are you the Lord showing up to John the Baptist? This is the kind of mood that we're in. When I was in uh, Israel, in Jerusalem, um, there was a number of places that we visited, and hopefully Noah's going to put up um, a few of them now. This is Bethlehem. Believe it or not, there's a Christmas tree in Bethlehem Town Square. There's also a Santa's Grotto. (laughs) Hashtag full circle. (laughs) Um, Next one, Noah. This is the Peace Wall. Um, Some things never change, um, like oppression or division or hardship. This is Banksy, Banksy's mural on on one of the peace walls around the edge of the West Bank. Um, We kind of visited his hotel called the Waldorf Hotel. It was a whole experience. I'm not going to get into that now. What's the next one, though? This is a little bit of um, graffiti on said peace wall. We know a little bit about peace walls in Northern Ireland. We've seen them. They're pretty hideous things. Um... And they're the same there. Next one, though. This is us then in the place, the Church of the, Holy, the, church of the Nativity um, in Bethlehem where Jesus' birth happened. So Mary and Joseph had gone down from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And this is the church that was built over the site where Jesus was born. There's a little uh, photo that should come up, Noah, which shows like that's pretty much, it's not an inn, it's a cave effectively where Jesus would have been born. Um, where locals have identified that Jesus was born in a cave that you can actually go down into. Um, and that church is built over it. Um, next one, though. But this is the, the, the church I wanted to draw your, your attention to. This church is right beside the Garden of Gethsemane. It's not in Bethlehem, where Jesus was born. It's not in Nazareth, where he grew up. It's in the city. But there's something about this church that struck me. It's right beside the Garden of Gethsemane because outside this church was this sign. And I couldn't help but laugh, I guess, smirk about the top line, which says, please, no explanations inside the church. The church was packed full of people. A lot of them were all wearing the same hats because they could identify themselves. They had little flags and there was tour guides. And, but as soon as you would go into the church, 
there was to be silence. Maybe you can zoom in on that, Noah. Can you see that? And I kind of just thought, that's so interesting because we're always looking for an answer. Give us an answer, like the Jewish leaders were asking the John the Baptist. Give us an explanation. Give us an answer in a, in a time of no, one's, no certainty. We want answers. And to Mary, to the Jewish leaders, and even to us in a world looking for answers, it seems like at times God doesn't give us answers, but there's something more that he does give. And I want to just read John 1 from a particular translation, and I want you just to close your eyes, or if you want to follow along on the screen, I just want to read this over us. Because instead of an answer, I suppose this is God's answer. This is this beautiful passage of scripture which talks about the divine interruption. Before time itself was measured, the voice was speaking. The voice was and is God. This celestial word remained ever present with the creator. His speech shaped the entire cosmos, immersed in the practice of creating. All things that exist were birthed in him. His breath filled all things with a living, breathing light, a light that thrives in the depths of darkness, blazes through murky bottoms. It cannot and will not be quenched. He entered our world, a world he made, yet the world did not recognize him. The voice took on flesh and became human and chose to live alongside us. We have seen him enveloped in undeniable splendor, the one true son of the father, evidenced in perfect balance of grace and truth. You can open your eyes. Groundhog Day for Mary, for the Jewish leaders, and perhaps for us this season has been disrupted because a new thing has happened. God has acted. Has he given us an answer? Has he given us an explanation? In a sense, I guess so. It's a strange answer because we read here that into the humdrum of the world, the interruption was the word, the voice, the person of Christ himself, born in that backwater town of Bethlehem. God had spoken and God's new world was launched, but not in an explanation and not in an answer, but in a person in the person of Christ. And the gospel writer John in that passage intends to show us that in Jesus, God is speaking. God is interrupting all of the time through the word that he has revealed to us. Advent is a divine invitation to ask where are we at? But Advent is also about a divine interruption we're into the humdrum and the hopelessness of maybe all of our lives, some of our lives, no matter where you find yourself, no matter how you answer the question, where are you at, the interruption comes, but not in an answer, in a person. In Jesus the Christ, 
in God with us. Emmanuel, the speech, the word that sustains the very cosmos is God's answer to us. His son, Christ Jesus. In the first century Jews, this was the one they were waiting for. The Messiah. And yet today, the divine interruption is hope for all of us. Not just those who identify as Jewish. It is for all of us and into all of our chaos, into all of our humdrum, into all of our groundhog days comes the love of God in Christ as divine interruption. Today, this divine interruption is a hope that even in the murky depths, even in the midst of boredom, even in the darkness and despair, there is a light and the light, even at its faintest, is shining and it shines even on the horizon of the hell of your life. There is a light. There is hope today. Today, this divine interruption comes like hope into the deafening silence. The questions of meaning and purpose and truth and into that space comes a voice, the voice, the word, Jesus the Christ. The silence is interrupted by a word and that word is a person. That word is Jesus the Christ. The divine interruption is hope for those today asking, give us an answer. And I mean that in the most personal way, not in a cerebral way or an academic way, in an on your knees by your bedside without any hope kind of way. Lord, would you show up? Would you give me an answer? Would you come and intervene in my life? Would you show up and into that space the Lord speaks and gives us himself, Christ with us. To the world's injustice and disorder and chaos, into the sin and despair, God's answer comes, but it's not an explanation. It's a person. It is Christ and all that he did for us, all that he taught us and the kingdom he comes to bring. Jonathan Martin, in his book, How to Survive a Shipwreck, he says this, this pattern, sorry, this fits the pattern of how God responds to human suffering. We come looking for answers. God sends a hot meal through a warm body. We come looking for reasons for our hunger. God sends provision to feed us. We come looking for a sermon that will explain the complexities of the cosmos to us, to satiate our desire for understanding. Christ responds with, this is my body given for you. This is my blood shed for you. People try to offer us an explanation and God offers us a Eucharist. The, the Eucharist behind us, the bread and the wine is representative of the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. A concrete person, a tangible gift to us, the love of God come in Jesus the Christ. So please, no explanations in the church. No explanations in the church. Our answer is a mystery. Just like the installation at the back that Lucy and Steve have put together. Advent is about mystery. There's a mystery to this action of God in the world that he comes as a person. Even just to meditate upon that would get us through many Advents and many Christmases. The mystery of God made human. The God-man, Jesus the Christ. 
to meditate on the wonder of that will shake the humdrum and the boredom from us. But more importantly, it is the hope when we're in a, in a place of hopelessness. Have we heard the voice that is emerging every day in the darkness and in the silence, calling us to see and to participate? Have we heard that voice? Have we taken up that invitation? Have we woken up to see that God does not give us an answer or an explanation, but he has given us Christ and we can have Christ today. If you feel in any way, like any of the ways I've described, you can possess Christ. You can take Christ for yourself. He is a treasure. He is a gift. He is the love of God come to you. The Advent divine interruption of Jesus brings us to life. It animates us by the power of God's spirit. It comes to bring life and life to the full, as Jesus said. Do you remember Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and walked away. It's kind of like a mic drop moment. Jesus has come to bring life into the most dead places of our hearts and lives. He is the divine interruption. He is our hope today. So Redeemer, I guess the invitation and the reflection today is very simple, but it is that we should not idolize certainty or answers or explanations, but we should lift up Jesus as our hope and the communion that we can have with this God-man, our brother, our friend, Jesus, the Christ, God with us, God in flesh, the infinite creator and sustainer of the universe who limited himself to the confines of history in a human body, who interrupted this world, who interrupts our repeating histories with a human body, God invading our world, interrupting the humdrum and changing it forever. God become divine, concrete, raw, physically tangible. To show us life, to show us a new way of being human, a better way to live life and life to the full. I don't know what the future holds for you or me, but I know this, that faith, hope, love, courage, compassion, beauty, forgiveness, healing, those are the voices of Advent. Those are the voices of Advent. Those are the words that we should gravitate to in this season, despite the darkness and the silence around you. The voice of Christ is the voice of hope and love and courage and compassion and beauty and mystery and forgiveness and healing. Despite the kingdoms of this earth, there's no Roman Empire today, but there's lots of other empires. It's the same old, same old, even when it comes to geopolitical events. It's the same old, same old. It's Groundhog Day. Kingdoms come and kingdoms fall, but the kingdom of Christ stands firm. It is a better kingdom today. It is the kingdom of shalom, of flourishing for all. So the divine interruption for us, Redeemer, ask, where are you at? Where are you? Spend time this Advent locating yourself. Where am I today? My hopes, my dreams. And also to see that Advent is a divine interruption that God has spoken. He's given us his son as the one whom we can take possession of, hold on to. I want to finish 
with this quote from Shane Claiborne. It'll be up on the screen. And then we're going to pray together, worship together, and we're going to come to the meal behind me to taste the bread and the wine and celebrate together the Christ. Shane Claiborne says this, Advent means the coming. It's a time when we wait expectantly. Christians began to celebrate it as a season during the 4th and 5th centuries. Like Mary, we celebrate the coming of the Christ child, what God has already done. And we wait in expectation of the full coming of God's reign on earth and for the return of Christ, what God will do yet. But this waiting is not a passive waiting. It is an active waiting, as any expectant mother knows. This waiting also involves preparation, exercise, nutrition, care, prayer, work. And birth involves pain, blood, tears, joy, release, community. It is called labor for a reason. Likewise, we are in a world pregnant with hope. And we, we live in the expectation of the coming of God's kingdom on earth. As we wait, we also work cry, pray, ache. We are the midwives of another world. Please stand. I have an Advent prayer for us and I'd love to lead us in that. And then Fra and the band are going to lead us in a song. And during the song is when you can come up and take the bread and the wine at the table here. But just before we, we do that, um, the guys are going to begin to play. Let's pray this together. And there are parts that you can say and there's parts that I can say. Hopefully it's pretty clear on the screen. I think it's in, in yellow. Yeah, it's in yellow and hopefully you can read that. So let's pray this Advent prayer together. Come, Lord Jesus, come. We wait expectantly for you into a world of sin and shame, of war and waste, of pain and loss. You, the Savior Christ, were born into a world that's just the same. We wait for you again. Come, Lord Jesus, come. O oh Lord, give us yourself above all things. It is in your coming alone that we are enriched. It is in your coming that true gifts come. Come that we may share the gifts of your presence. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come with healing of the past. Come and calm our memories. Christ, we wait for you. Come with joy for the present. Come and give life to our existence. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come with hope for the future. Come and give a sense of eternity. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come with strength for our wills. Come with power for our thoughts. Christ, we wait for you. Come with love for our hearts. Come and give affection to our being. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord, give yourself above all things and give us to give ourselves to you. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come and live within us that we might live in you. Christ, we wait for you. All together, Lord, fill our hearts with your goodness. Dwell in us and let us know your peace. Enter into the dark places of our lives that we may overflow with your love and reflect your forgiveness, bringing forth the fruits of love, hope, joy, and peace. Come, Lord Jesus, come. 
God of our joys and sorrows, make your home amongst us. Comfort and console the prisoner. Be with the oppressed, the exile and the wounded. Give us compassionate hearts and bring us all the joys of heaven, our true home where you reign, your kingdom come, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Come, King Jesus, come. You are the object of our journey. You are the one who leads us onward. You are the light in the gloom. You are the forgiving one. You are the peace giver. You are the accompanier. You are the incarnate one. Christ, we wait for you. Let us uh, sing together and let us come to the table where God has given us his son, Christ Jesus, to taste, to commune with, and to commune with one another uh, on this Advent Sunday.